so I, I read a recent survey. 2,000 families uh, were asked, uh, or the children were asked, if they could recount the story of Christmas, much like we've just watched. And it was only a third of children that really knew at all how Jesus relates to Christmas. Two-thirds of children just didn't know the, uh, the Christmas story. Um, that's children today. So although that's funny, um, there's, uh, you know, we have a task on our hands to raise our, our, our children well so that they know the story of Christmas, the truth of who God is. And so today we are starting a very short series entitled Like a Child as we officially arrive at the first Sunday of Advent where we begin to celebrate the expectant uh, waiting for the arrival of Jesus. God come to be with us. Which I actually think is a little bit ironic because every year Christmas starts to get a little bit earlier. We get a little bit worse at the waiting. You know what I'm talking about in the shops. The cards are out, the gift wrap, the music's playing. Uh, Christmas seems to get earlier every year. So maybe, like children, we are impatient. But I am excited for Christmas. Uh, let's do a show of hands. Who has their tree up already? Come on, you know who you are. There's no shame. Okay, a few hands. Not as many as I was expecting. Uh, I'm not going to out them. Uh, I don't know if they're here, actually. But uh, Joe and I, we, my wife Joe and I, we had dinner with some friends, some recent friends who are on our youth team uh, just this week. And uh, they actually had their tree up since October. Can anyone beat yeah, I know. Uh, who's been listening to Christmas music? Few hands. Oh, yeah. Okay, there you are. Uh, and who's a bit of a purist? So before the 1st of December, it's not Christmas, but after then, anything goes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I am excited for Christmas. Um, and, and actually, I know we've, we've done this already. I had planned to do this. We've uh, we've been giving a lot of honour to people, but I, I just want to give a, um, a second to say thank you to those who have given up time over the last week to come and decorate this building so that we get into the festive spirit. So why don't we just give a round of applause to everyone who's put up the tree and the wreaths and all of the lovely Christmas decor. Well, this is my fourth time preaching at Coastline, but my first time preaching on a Sunday to a room full of people and not to a camera in our production studio throughout the pandemic and in this room but to an empty room and just to a camera. But I do want to say hi to people watching online or um, wherever you are at home, maybe somewhere warmer. Um, and uh, I, I actually spend a lot of my time behind the camera. Uh, so myself and James, who is just up here, we have a small business together. We do some photography and some video work. And as a child, I loved taking pictures on a disposable camera. If anyone remembers those, they often come out at weddings these days. Uh, and then I got my first compact point-and-shoot Samsung camera. Uh, and I, I loved it. But now we use bigger cameras with complex manual settings. And I wonder if you ever look back on childhood and reminisce on the simplicity of life as a child in a less complex era. Oh, what bliss without being weathered and burdened by the relentless pressures of life as an adult. Well, I lead teenagers here at Coastline who are in that in-between phase between the innocence of childhood and the experience of adulthood. I was reminded of this recently uh, watching Children in Need, who my wife got me into. I don't know, did anyone watch Children in Need the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I see some hands, some nods. 
Um, oh, so cute. The, the kid with the restored little cuddly toy. Um, just heartwarming. Um, the innocence of children. My wife Jo and I don't have children yet, but I imagine that they look at the world the way that God made it. Good. I already know that as a parent, I'm going to be wanting to protect my children. I'll be that overly protective parent. Joe's laughing at me because she knows. Uh, wanting to protect them from all that's gone wrong in, in our world and, and from my own mistakes. But at the same time, there's this tension of wanting them to be exposed to the realities of life so that they have character formed and so that they build resilience and realistic expectation. Well, our first scripture today, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark. This is Mark chapter 10. And we're going to be reading a passage that appears in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So this is Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us this morning? Would it not be about my words, but would it be about power and truth? Lord, open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So in this passage, Jesus is expressing that there's something essential about the childlike perspective if we want to see the kingdom of heaven. And to see the kingdom of heaven is often uh, where this is translated elsewhere. Um, And in the Gospels, the phrase kingdom of heaven is not about life after death, but about living and experiencing God's life in this life, here and now, the kind of life that God intended happening here as it is in heaven. And so experiencing the life of God in this moment now requires dependence and humility and love like a little child. Now, many of us are like a child and not in the ways that Jesus tells us that we should be. I surveyed a small group of parents in preparation for speaking today. It was a very small group. And, uh, and I asked describe some of the qualities of your children when they're at their best and at their worst. What's their nature, their, their approach, their attitude to life? Uh, and, and so uh, let's start with, uh, let's start with the, um, the ones that Jesus maybe isn't talking about. So children... Uh, parents will know can be impatient, uh, not having a fully developed emotional range or sense of awareness. They can be revengeful if things don't go their way. They can be irrational and self-seeking, self-seeking through a need for survival, lots of psychological reasons for that, uh, but self-seeking nonetheless. But children at their best are boundlessly enthusiastic. They possess an excitement and a sense of wonder because their world is full of firsts. They believe that the world is as God intended it to be, good. They 
possess an innocence and they're inquisitive. I did some research which suggested that children ask on average 73 questions a day to parents. And this isn't uh, the internal musings of children wondering about the, uh, the mysteries of the universe. This is questions out loud asked to a parent every day, 73. And I can see some parents nodding. 73 questions children ask a day. Uh, children have a simplicity and an ability to live in They're teachable. They have a boldness. They have a faith that believes things will work out. They're naturally forgiving and they're trusting. Let me try some of these. So uh, as a child, who was told what would happen if you eat your crusts? Yes, your hair would go curly. And what happens if you eat your carrots? See in the dark. And if you eat the pip or the the stone in some fruit, what happens? The tree grows inside you. And what happens if you watch too much TV? Square eyes. Yes, we trust the things that we're told as children. But we know that to be like this, to be like these best qualities of children, this is a challenge. Because when we get hurt, we lose some innocence. We carry childhood wounds where something happens that we didn't want or we didn't expect and it throws up all kinds of questions and the goodness of life is distorted and so we shield against trusting. Many of us haven't had a good experience with our parents and so we approach God and others through the lens of that pain. And so we don't believe that people are for us. We can be defensive and people-pleasing, trying to earn the approval of others because we assume they don't approve of us. We can be arrogant and prideful. We can be cynical and hold grudges. We can play the victim because there's nothing special about me and everything in my life goes wrong. We can become insecure. Actually, I just wrote a list of things that describe me on my worst days. But if those resonate with you, then you'll know that to be like a child is a huge challenge. In many ways, for me, preparing for this message this morning, this is a huge challenge for me, that I've lost some of my innocence, some of my childlikeness through pain and through things that I didn't expect to happen. And so we forget that God is good. And, and this is why childlike uh, stories, childhood stories that we read um, in an attempt to reclaim innocence like Peter Pan are, are so compelling. But at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus coming as a child. God himself enters into history, into the mess of all of life to save you from yourself, to rescue you from the brokenness that you experience and that we can sometimes cause others because you can't save yourself. You can't clean yourself up. And so he comes and he offers forgiveness from the past and new life for today, today, and a real hope for the future. And then he gives you a new nature. He himself comes to live inside of you as his Holy Spirit, and he gives you a purpose and gifts and abilities to achieve it. That's a pretty good Christmas gift. Jesus comes to us as a child, but he remains like a child as an adult because he has a good 
Father. Believing that God is who he says he is, that he's good and for us, that he will deliver on his promises, and that he can do more than we expect. Many of you have fond and good experiences as a parent, and you know that a good parent is approachable, kind, protective, patient, self-sacrificing, responsible, encouraging, and disciplining. This is who God is. When we trust that God is for us, when we trust that God is good, when we know that we have a good father, you can come to him like a child because childlikeness is a posture. Jesus talks about having a good eye, that the eye is the lamp to the body, that how we approach life and other people and God himself changes the reality around us and internally. When I look to the Christmas story, I see a childlike posture illustrated in the wise men who are filled with wonder and trust. And so to get us into the Christmas spirit, we're going to read a passage of scripture now. We're going to read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. So again, if you're watching online, you can use the Bible tool uh, on your screen or grab a Bible in front of you. Um, there's going to be a video playing in the background as I read this because I just, I love visuals, I love um, film, so um, turn your eyes to the screen or to the page as we read together. In Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, uh, coming to Jerusalem, and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way. There's so much happening here in this passage, most of which we don't have time for today, but we can do some context, if you're like me and you enjoy some context. So Jesus is born in Bethlehem, five miles south of Jerusalem, and there came this group of men from the east, referred to as wise men or kings or magi, 
A wise man comes from the Greek word megos, which is translated elsewhere as magician, which is actually a corruption of the word. But they were originally a Persian tribe. Persia would have been modern-day Iran, and they were ancient, high-ranking government officials. Now, we know from the text that these men that we've just watched on screen, they visited Jesus around 18 months to two years after his birth. And this was very likely a large group of people. They were from the massive Parthian Empire at war with Rome at the time, and so they would have had with them slaves and soldiers and servants. This would have been a caravan of camels, and unlikely that there were just three of them. So they came from the east, and east of Jerusalem is where the majority of Jews were living at the time, having been taken into captivity 600 years before the birth of Christ by the Babylonian Empire. And these wise men, scholars suggest, were from the city of Babylon, originally in the Babylonian Empire, but defeated by the Persians in 539 BC. The city of Babylon remained under Persian rule as the center of learning in the east, And all that to say, these were literate and scientific men. And in Babylon, they would have studied astronomy and mathematics. So they had three roles. Firstly, they were astronomers, doing cartography of constellations, working out when to have the holy days spoken of in Scripture. They were dream interpreters and advisors to kings. They studied two things, stars and dreams. And God used two things to lead them as they trusted him. Stars and dreams. Think about that. These are not Jews. These are not God's people. These are foreigners. These are outsiders. God spoke to them in the ways that they could understand because he's for everyone. God is speaking to you today. What is he saying? The Magi followed the light. They confirmed the meaning and direction of their steps by the word of God, which they would have known through Daniel's influence and the Jews who remained in the east. So they referred to the prophecies in Isaiah and Micah that a Messiah would be born and come out of Judah. And so these men, once they know the meaning of God's word, they trust God's word and they obey God and allow him to lead them to find God himself astronomers and dream interpreters. But the Magi also identified future kings. This is their third role. They were kingmakers with status and authority, and actually no one could ascend the Middle Eastern throne without their permission. So these men, they read the scriptures and they say, well, someone's got to do it. Why not us? So they travel 18 months following the star to fulfill the prophecies to fall on their knees to Jesus, King of kings, God in the flesh, God with us. And of course, they bring with them gifts which are deeply symbolic. Gold. What is gold? Gold is gold. Gold, a sign of kingship. Frankincense, used by priests in the temple with every offering on the altar of prayer and sacrifice and myrrh to anoint the temple and the dead, foreshadowing Jesus' suffering and death to come. And you know, we must also bring these gifts to Jesus in reverse order. 
the myrrh, which represents the denying of ourself and dying to our own striving for glory and sense of control. That's me, all right. Frankincense, which symbolizes that our life is impure and his is pure. And then we can turn over to Jesus, our gold, which represents our right to rule over our own life and choosing to trust in him instead. And we need to bring those things that hold us back from childlikeness. Our past hurts. Our fears to trust others. Maybe even a relationship that needs to be restored this Christmas. Because Jesus didn't stay that child in a manger. He grew up to be a healer, a friend, a king. That Jesus, that miracle worker, died for you so that you would be able to know God. And on the cross, Jesus took on everything that you've ever done wrong. Your sin, which separates you from God. He lived a human life, entering into our suffering and suffering on our behalf so that we can bring our shame and our brokenness and our burdens to him. And he will give us the strength to go through them and life in all its fullness. Do you know him this Christmas? The Magi would dream in the last line of that passage that we read. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way. Warren Wiersbe writes that anyone who comes to Jesus will go home another way. So I want to give an opportunity today to come to God like a child. You might be asking, well, how does this put food on the table? What difference does it make? You don't know my struggles. Well, maybe I don't, but I do know struggles in childhood, and adulthood. I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't. When we come to Jesus and we bring all the baggage, he's able to take it. And it may look different for each of us, and it's a process, but something happens when we trust him. We're less preoccupied with others' opinions or what happened in the past. You see, people miss Jesus when he came. They miss the signs of God at work in their life. But the Magi believed that God was at work, that the kingdom was at hand. They saw it and they joined in. And when you trust that God is at work in the midst of your story, trusting the signs and in what he said will happen, maybe it was even years ago and the breakthrough still hasn't come yet. Knowing that where I overcomplicate life, Jesus' ways are lighter, not simpler, not easier, but lighter. The way we approach God and others and our own lives, it changes something when we fall on our knees before Jesus instead of trying to tackle life's challenges on our own. Let me challenge you to come to him with a posture to wonder at him this Advent that allows us to see the bigger picture, to go beyond ourselves, to forgive others, allowing him to heal the things that hold us back. Because to be childlike is to trust. So put people around you who possess a faith, a boldness like the Magi, a boundless excitement 
that's overjoyed to run after the things of God. People who you know who, who know that God is good and, and live a life that really believes and trusts that. And if you are childlike, to come around others who have lost that. For me, it's through marriage to my amazing wife, Jo, that God is restoring my innocence by knowing a wife who is childlike, who demonstrates those qualities. To God, who's your good father, you are known completely and loved unconditionally because he's a good father. You're valuable and you're cherished. This is a challenge for me, but this is what it means to be like a child.